We wore the men's track team practice T-shirts as game uniforms. <laughs> oh, my word. And, and you know what's amazing is people go, oh, that's horrible. Yeah. But, you know, back then I had a coach in Sharon Backus who said, listen, don't get caught up on what you're wearing. Don't get caught up on how much equipment we don't have. Don't get caught up on the have nots. Get caught up on what we are. And in three short years, by the time I was a senior, we had uniforms. We were not ranked, went to regionals, went to nationals, and just got on a run and won the national championship as a non-ranked team. I'm, uh, I'm Maddie. I'm Z. That's Johnny. It, 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 girls. Maddie Perez, who is in a Johnny Teeler. I'm a girl. Podcast with a couple it girls. Yes, ma'am. I'm a girl. Podcast with a couple it girls. What's up, sports fans? It's former NFL wide receiver Stevie Johnson. The wait is finally over. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is now live in Kentucky. And new customers can get in on the action with $200 of bonus bets guaranteed. When you place your first $5 bet, just sign up at FanDuel.com slash Mercury. Finally, you can bet on your favorite sports, from the money line to point spreads to player props and more. This means you'll be able to place all kinds of bets, even live bets. Say you just have a feeling your favorite wide receiver in college football is going to get loose in the final minutes. Go ahead and live bet for him to score on the next drive. I promise you won't regret it. So start betting now on the app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Don't miss your chance to win $200 of bonus bets, win or lose. Visit FanDuel.com slash Mercury and make every moment more. Must be 21 and up in President Kentucky. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets, which expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, guys, I got a hoodie on today, and it's because fresh ball fall is officially upon us, and it's time to get in the spirit. Guys, go out and get your Manscaped kit with using the It Girls code, ItGirls20, for 20% off and free shipping. And guys, get those balls looking nice for fall. It's getting real cold out. You want to stay cozy. But use Manscaped to get yourself right. Throw all those women or men in your life and use our code to get 15, 20% off at checkout. What's up, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of the It Girls podcast where we're telling the stories of winning women. And honestly, it doesn't get more winning than today's guest, uh, a really good friend of mine, Miss Sue Inquis. And she's a coaching legend who clearly knows how to win and even more how to develop winners. And so I'm so excited for you guys to hear from her. And the accolade list just goes endlessly on and on and on. But she's coached UCLA UCLA softball to 11 national championships. And there's more to say, but I'm going to let her speak for herself. So without further ado, um, Sue, how's it going? It's going great. Thanks for having me. I'm super pumped to be here. This is so exciting. Thank you. It is so exciting. So, Sue, tell our audience, like, where the heck you are right now. They know where Z and I are located, but... Kind of tell us like what's going on in your life. You've had a big week, so maybe maybe touch on that too. <laughs> yes, yeah. uh, Christine, I am in Southern California, a small surf town called San Clemente. I'm fortunate enough to live in the house I grew up in, um, and I live actually a really fun life, uh, but I also have a really simple life and uh, really try to do the things that are important, passionate uh, in my daily life. And um, to give you a background on me, I, 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 I want to tell you what I'm not. You know, I, I, I wasn't picked first. Um, I, I grew up in a time when women didn't have opportunities. So I understand the importance of access. And uh, I just had some key people in my life that opened doors for me and allowed me to be the first woman to get the scholarship at UCLA. I was a player, a coach, an administrator, and now I'm a professor uh, at UCLA and teach transformational coaching and leadership. But it really comes down to just being a person that's been surrounded by incredible influencers. Um, I also am a consultant with many programs 
uh, predominantly high performance people that are expected to do great things with a small margin for error. Um, to Maddie's point, we just finished. Um, I'm consulting with USA Volleyball. We just returned from Poland where we qualified for the Olympic Games in Paris. Uh, no small feat. Let me tell you, people, I know everyone knows we're defending gold medalists, but the margins are razor thin, people. So uh, hopefully we get some fans uh, in Paris next year to see us go for that gold. That's awesome, Sue. Um, you know, we to give our audience some background, Z and I, and I'm sure, Sue, you know this too, but we're really close to Avery Skinner. We both play with her. And Avery is just, we'll get her on the show eventually here, but just to be able to like follow your guys' success. And I know that it it's it's hard to even explain what it feels like to represent USA when you're going to play in another country against teams. I can only imagine just the the feeling and of how cool that is. But um with that being with that being said, Sue, let's run it back a little bit. Start us off in you got your scholarship. Was it uh nineteen I don't know, I don't wanna age you. My, my lady, but you can age me away, right? <laughs> you finished playing in 78, right? 75, 78, right? I, I finished in 78. I'm 66 years old. And uh, yeah, I love, I love playing that game. Sometimes I just go, yeah, I went to high school in 19. But then there, there are other times, like I want everyone to be really comfortable with wherever they are in their path. You know, once you can really separate what other people think you can really kind of have lots of fun shenanigans in your life, you know? So yes, Maddie, I, I uh, finished high school in 75 and got the scholarship and uh, it was such a unique journey because people that follow softball know that UCLA is a premier program. It's a championship program. But when I got there, it was uh, a club sport. And when they decided to fund softball, I'm a recipient of title nine um, shout out to all the women that, uh, those shoulders I stand on that fought the good fight that allowed me to go to college on an athletic scholarship. And we were really the bad news bears. I mean, we wore the men's track team practice t-shirts as game uniforms. I'm not, let, let me run that back. Let me run it back. We wore the men's track team practice t-shirts as game uniforms. <laughs> oh, my word. And, and you know what's amazing is people go, oh, that's horrible. Yeah. But, you know, back then I had a coach in Sharon Backus who said, listen, don't get caught up on what you're wearing. Don't get caught up on how much equipment we don't have. Don't get caught up on the have nots. Get caught up on what we are. And. Man, I was like drinking that Kool-Aid. I'm like, yeah, bring it. Even though we were terrible, it was all about a mindset. And in three short years, by the time I was a senior, we had uniforms. We were not ranked, went to regionals, went to nationals, and just got on a run and won the national championship as a non-ranked team. That's, that's crazy. crazy. That is crazy. Women out there, that's crazy. It's just a sign you can really, if you don't get in your own way, it's kind of scary what you can do. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. So then, Sue, after that, did you know that you wanted to go into coaching? Was that kind of always something that you had your eyes set on? No, not at all. I was going to be a respiratory therapist. I got my BS in kinesiology and was all set to be. I wanted to work in an emergency room. I wanted the intensity. I wanted it to be something that was really life and death and my head coach at the time, I had 10 weeks left before I walked for graduation and my eligibility was up. And she said, could you help out? I said, sure, I'll help out for, you know, 10 weeks. Two weeks in, I knew. I knew I wanted to do this. I was going to get paid something like $472 for the year. And in, in Los Angeles, California. Yes. But not, not I didn't even fathom. Z, Z, you got to remember now, you got to remember that rent was only $189 a month. So it wasn't too crazy, right? Um, but I, I remember having, you know, I'm a daughter of a military father and my mother was a nurse. So I had access to rigor and discipline and also just empathy and being an advocate for all things that are inspiration and positivity. And I remember calling my parents 
Because I'm going to tell them I'm not going to grad school. I'm going to tell them I'm not going to be a respiratory therapist. I'm going to be a softball coach. <laughs> and I'll never forget, both my mom and dad got called up. God bless them both. Um, my mom is like, oh, that is just a wonderful story. The girls are going to love you. <laughs> and then my dad, my dad was like, the silence was deafening, right? And he just said, who's going to pay the bills? I'm like, I am, dad. I'm going to get, I'm going to be a, my world comes around. I'm going to be a volleyball referee in the I am sports. And I'm going to be a strength coach in the weight room. I'm going to work three jobs to be able to do this. And um, I actually have never had a job interview. So don't talk to me about a job interview because I went from being an assistant to a co-head coach, to a head coach, to an administrator and to a professor. And I've never had a job interview. Wow. Wow. That's wow. You don't even need your hand on that. Your resume is you. You are your resume. Yes. It's crazy, right? So, so much for getting tips and strategies for our, our listeners out there on uh, how to get it done in the interview. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sue, so you played at UCLA for four years and you coached there for another 25 and now you're still associated with the university. What about UCLA has keep, kept you drawn in for so long? Uh, yeah, well, first of all, UCLA is a public institution. And uh, we do an incredible job as an institution uh, to provide access for those students, uh, those professors, those staff people that haven't had access. And, you know, I grew up in white Orange County, uh, silver spoon in my mouth and never met anybody of color, really. Well, ironically, there was one family in our high school that was uh, African-American. And they were called the whites. How ironic <laughs> is that, right? And I went to UCLA and the first thing I noticed was the diversity and how beautiful it was and how curious I was. Here I, here I thought I kind of knew the world, but all I knew was San Clemente in the, in the surfing tide. That's all I knew. But the beautiful thing about UCLA was it didn't matter how aware, how intelligent. It didn't matter the path to UCLA. It mattered that you're now at our doorstep and this is how we are as an institution. And I fell in love with that idea around access and excellence. I heard that for everywhere I went, whether I was in my biology class or I was in IM, you know, back in the day, you women, I feel, I, I love that you have so much access now, but back in the day, even though there wasn't a lot of access, in our athletics department, we had access to everything. So the men's football team would play with the women's softball team in I am flag football. Like it was a time where sports was more balanced with academic life. So I could be on the surf team. I could be on the softball team. I could play I am. I played rugby, did, did my schooling and everybody was okay with it. Right. And so we really did get to play a lot. And I think that's why during my generation, we built such a strong relationship with sport. Whereas today, our young children don't get to play. It's all about competing. It's all about winning. It's all about losing your identity when you're 10 years old. And I didn't lose that, right? I got to play all the way up until I, I finished. I played on our national team and I was a national team coach and I got to PLAY. I didn't have to worry about WIN all the time. Although I love doing that as well. <laughs> Sue, I love that. I love that um, that emphasis on playing rather than just competing. And I think a lot of that comes from parental pressures too. Uh, Z and I, Z actually grew up fairly similar to you. Her dad's a military guy. Her mom's not a nurse. But I, I think just having that, that family in the military, my parents are both teachers. So same like working yep. class kind of parents. And um, luckily we never got the pressure of like, sports will be your identity. And, and we, we still battled that, right? Z, I know I'm speaking for you, but like we battled that through college of like, I'm a volleyball player. I'm not Maddie who plays volleyball. Um, and when we figured out like, no, like you, I am Maddie. I have all of these other attributes, but I also play volleyball. It really changed our perspectives. I think on, um, on playing the sport versus being the sport. Um, so yeah, I want to talk about it's interesting. You, you, if I could jump, sorry to jump on your words. Um, no, please. I, I want to comment on that because, um, what Z has to do, a lot of people 
really don't understand the lonely work that student athletes like her have to carry out every day. This really, really small margin for error. Every single day they have to fight and have the discipline to remember that their craft is out on the palm of their hand. Their craft gets sliced and diced. Their volleyball expertise gets sliced and diced and it's been sliced and diced for 10, 12, 14 years based on how old they are. What is so disappointing about high performance sport is not that Z had to go through this, but people like Z is at a very young age, her prowess became the story of who she is. So you start out playing, but then the next thing you know, people like Z get plucked out of their little local team in Texas. And now they're driving an hour and 45 minutes into Houston to play in some big giant volleyball tournament. And then, you know, it's Thanksgiving and all you want to talk about is a new dress, or new pants or new shoes or new friends. And they're talking about how you're the MVP of the Thanksgiving tournament. And then that, that gets magnified for years. And before you know, it, you enter college and you never quite savor the fact that you arrived. Z represents point, Z represents point oh 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 one percent of the volleyball community. But that's not the story. The story is the character skills that drove her to be this amazing human who happens to perform in volleyball. We have to do a better job of honoring that teammateship, that humanness, that person that actually performs. And once we start doing that in youth, then people like Zeke can actually celebrate the four years uh, at Kentucky and not feel like they're holding their breath because, you know, we're ranked 10 in the country or we're ranked four in the country and we've got to be we got to be perfect every single day. I want collegiate athletes to celebrate that you made it. The mystery's over. You've you've got the secret sauce, not only for collegiate volleyball, but for life. You've got the character skills to go out in the real world now and lead other people by simply doing the great things of having a great attitude and wonderful effort in everything you do, you know? Yeah. Oh my gosh, that was so well said. That was, yeah, that was, yeah. I feel like you just read me like a book, Sue. What's up, sports fans? It's former NFL wide receiver Stevie Johnson. The wait is finally over. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is now live in Kentucky. And new customers can get in on the action with $200 of bonus bets guaranteed. When you place your first $5 bet, just sign up at FanDuel.com slash Mercury. Finally, you can bet on your favorite sports from the money line to point spreads to player props and more. You'll be able to place all kinds of bets. And the bigger the underdog, the bigger your potential winnings. Say you were to bet on your team to take down the number one team in the country. You can even bet on a game to be decided in three overtimes if you wanted to. Seems like it'll be worth it in my book. So start betting now on the app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Don't miss your chance to win $200 of bonus bets, win or lose. Visit FanDuel.com slash Mercury and make every moment more. Must be 21 and up in President Kentucky. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets, which expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Yeah, it's just, just I, I don't think people tell people like you enough. I mean, you get such a, you're in such a small window. You're with these people, your teammates, and you're going through this amazing challenge 10, 12 hours a day. And it is a grind when I work with, with collegiate athletes. It's a grind. And I always remind them, don't search for the easier path because you're leading and it never gets easy. You just get better at managing it better. And that starts with gratitude every day for the people's shoulders you stand on. And if you have that gratitude, then you can jump into the grit where they slice and dice your craft. They slice and dice your schoolwork. They slice and dice you on social media. And then if you can remember to finish your day with grace, grace for yourself and grace for the people that don't get it in this world. Both of you are young women that are sending into the real world. There's a lot of people that are still really ignorant about women, about people of color, about people that don't have access and they judge based on you're smart or you're not smart. And if we could start judging the shoes that you're in and I haven't walked in them, the world's going to be a better place. And your generation is actually going to be the game changers in that area. And having grace doesn't get enough coverage. Grace, it to me, means unmerited 
acceptance. So the idiot that's shoot, you know, shooting all these bad comments on social media, I give him grace or I give her grace on merited acceptance. I still have my standard, but I still accept you because you don't have the knowledge that you need to be a good person. So what can I do to represent that every day? No matter how many people are shooting stuff at me on social media, in the stands, uh, teachers and people that influence that kind of put a ceiling over your talent. Don't let anybody ever do that. Can we get that whole thing clipped and just have it on our, our tag? Donna? <laughs> Holy wisdom, Sue. Holy yes. wisdom. That is like 40, 35 years of just serious experience in, in, in women's sports and also outside of women's sports and business. And I mean, it applies to every facet of life. What you just explained. That was, that was awesome. Yeah, and Maddie, you in 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 a, the same way, you you're in investment banking. Talk about a man's world, right? And so literally getting in the room, taking up space, being able to fit in because society says fitting in is the the quickest way to the top. You deal with those same issues and having to tackle that lonely work. And I just want to be that voice for everybody that once you know your own self and what you can show up every single day as, there isn't a person or a team in the country or the world that can permeate your greatness. And that, to me, is where I want to get these young women to. So you can go to work every day knowing it's a clown car. You can go into the volleyball court knowing sometimes you're a shit show. Sometimes we're a shit show. Sometimes we're just not very good. Sometimes the expectations are high and we don't meet them. I mean, I know we, we celebrate my career, but let me tell you what I'm not. You know, I was a transactional coach. It was all about winning the first two thirds of my head coaching career. And I learned very quickly. I had a, a tipping point and uh, we, we fell short in a tournament and I threw away the trophy. <laughs> people, people, who am I? I threw away a consolation trophy in the trash can at the facility and I got caught. <laughs> Five get caught. That's when you're done. <laughs> right? And then, you know, this was before social media, but it went viral. You, you people, you people listening, don't believe me. Go ahead and tag Enquist trophy track. Watch what comes up. <laughs> Even funner nowadays. That would have gone all over Twitter. Oh, you They're got right. that right. You got that right. And I, you know, I know for a fact because I was so results oriented and I didn't really celebrate the process. And we won a lot because we had amazing parents that raised amazing humans that were coached by an amazing coaching staff that I had around me that allowed us to do really special things. And if I didn't have all that, I know that we wouldn't have had that support. But I know for a fact, there are people that were impacted by my negative voice to this day. When I talk to my alumnus and they say things that say to this day, coach, it's, it's a dent on my heart. Like, think about that. And so leaders, I always tell leaders, don't forget, you stain the brain of those people that you're influencing. And some of that stain is like Sharpie. It, it can't, you can't unthink it. And so always remember how powerful your words are as a leader, whether you're leading on the volleyball court or leading in, in the financial market, there's always somebody that's looking at you as an influencer and what you can do and how you can influence them. Because for me, it's all about belief. Leaders are all about creating belief. And as a leader, that's the greatest gift you can give to another human is I believe in you because I saw you do this, 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 and this. And at the end of the day, they're never going to say, they're never going to say like, uh, oh, I didn't believe in Z on the Kentucky volleyball team. I, can't, I didn't believe, I, I didn't like her as a teammate because she believed in us too much. They're never going to say that. Whether you win another game or not, what they remember is how you made them feel. And that starts with belief. And it's such an important skill to pay attention to, even if you're, you know, you're mentoring Maddie, I know you probably have people in your life that you're trying, they're trying to get to come along with you. And it all comes down to belief. You know, how do I catch you doing it right every single day as a, a mentor or a mentee? 
Okay. This might we just need a transcript of this whole thing and just hand it out to every athlete in the world. Seriously. <laughs> well, so, so I'm doing I'm doing what I can. You know, I'm doing I'm I'm gonna be going over next uh on the weekend, I'm gonna go over to Athletes Unlimited. Maybe some of your listeners know about Athletes Unlimited. Oh yes. And we're gonna be we're gonna be implementing some teammateship in the league. And we're gonna be mm-hmm. recognizing First, going to identify the criteria of what makes a great teammate in volleyball. Then we're going to celebrate it every week. We're going to recognize people, and then at the end of the year, we're going to have to, you know have this this idea of teammate teammate of the year because we all talk a good story. Like, oh, if that matters so much, why aren't we rewarding those people? Mm. Yeah. So wow, we're doing great stuff with athletes unlimited. Three of our See, former two- teammates. Th- uh, well, I guess two and one alumni that we were really close with all play in that league, and so that'll be really cool. Nice. Who is that? So I can keep an eye on them. Allie Stumler, Leah Edmond, and Kaz Brown. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, they're the best. They're they're studs. You're gonna love them, and that's so cool. And it's it's cool how the game continues to grow too. It's getting yeah. there. How about the game? All these pro leagues coming. Man, it's incredible. That is it's, exciting. That is exciting. It is so exciting. You know, people say it, people say, oh, you know, oh, that's dumb. Why two at the same time? No. It's all about opportunity. Let's have yep. competition. That's going to make it even better that both of them are competing against each other. Mm-hmm. I know people in both leagues, both leagues have incredible humans driving them. So I get excited about watching that success. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be really cool. Um, Sue, so I was watching a video that um, you, co- you were speaking at this conference, Why Winning Matters, maybe, in 2015. And you were talking about this weak voice and the strong voice. And just in the last... 30 minutes of us talking, you've said like, I was a really bad coach and now I'm this and I was this and now I'm this. And you talked about making sure your strong voice gets the last word. You've been a professional surfer, professional coach, professional softball player. How have you kind of seen that work in your life? Well, you know, I will always have a weak voice. We now all we've learned so much around neuroscience in the last 10 years and, and I've been able to put it all together and, and maybe I can at a high level explain to people that still struggle with their, their inner confidence. And, and I'm not a big person on confidence. I never ask my players to be confident. I, I ask them to be mentally ready for the moment. You only have to be ready for moments in high performance. So whether Maddie is making a presentation to uh, a VC fund. She only needs to be ready in that moment to moment. Same with sport, right? 25 one point battles. Z, that's what you live every day. It's not about, oh, I've got to have it all together. It's about being ready and having calm in that moment. So when that moment comes, you can just meet the moment and then it doesn't feel so big. And how we now we know, we know that we, our brain stores trauma. So we can't get rid of that trauma, whether they be big trauma or little trauma. I have, I've lived a charmed life. So for me to say I have trauma, but I have micro trauma. I had to read from the special books in elementary school. I wasn't a normal speed reader. I couldn't read at the normal rate. So I had to go into the special group. And when you're in second grade, you can go ahead and act like we're all together. But when I have a purple book and everybody else has a blue book, I'm, I may not be a fast reader, but I'm no dummy. <laughs> but I, you have those things in your head that will always come up. And if you can recognize that might be a trauma that's showing up, of course, you acknowledge the trauma. And then you become the valet parker of your brain. You have good thoughts, strong thoughts, your ready thoughts, and then you have your weak thoughts, your trauma thoughts. If you can just be a traffic cop, you can be a valet parker of these thoughts. Hey. That's a good thought. I'm going to valet park it right in front of that restaurant. Hey, that's a crappy thought. I'm going to park it around the back. I'll pick it up later. I don't need to be acknowledging that right now. And then you third person yourself talk. And once you get organized in strong and weak, you can actually be ready for the moment when it comes to you. But you have to be organized. And we now know, we've learned this in the last five years, really it's gone mainstream, is that the breathing resets the mindset. Breathing resets the mindset. So just the sheer fact of 
expanding your rib cage and exhaling all of that CO2, doing that three or four times in a session and doing that four or five times throughout the day when you're feeling a sense of, I have to meet a moment. We know it resets the chemicals in the brain that allows you to squirt out some of that dopamine, which we know is the new drug we want to be able to start to control. And that's why social media is so tricky. It's a dopamine giver. And like a drug, pretty soon you're going to find you can't scroll for just 30 seconds or a minute. You now need to scroll for 5, 10, 15 minutes because you're not getting enough dopamine. And so I really encourage people to just go dark in your social media for 20 minutes a day or an hour a day. Try to just trim it. We know we can't eliminate it. And I think social media is a connector. So there's a part of me that loves social media, but there's also a part that says we've got to make sure that we keep control of that. So it all starts with not only the awareness, the breath, and then being that valet Parker of our strong and our weak voice. Wow. That is so good, Sue. Um, the thing that I thought about is um, when I was in college playing, I went to see a sports psychologist because I was I was really struggling with the mental side of the game. Um, and he gave me the analogy of, um, which I thought was really insightful of getting on a bus. So if you get on a, if think of your thoughts as like getting on a bus. And so, um, if you're the bus driver and you've got sad, scared, mad, happy, pissed off, like all in the back, if they're messing around back there, like it's, it's giving your attention to the, to, to the mirror, to, to look back at them. So if I'm scared to go and serve receive it's just like acknowledging oh like i see you but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna pay attention to you you know what i mean yes, um yes. and I, I thought i truly i i thought about that a lot i think i told z that a few times i was like i'm just not looking at the scared emotion right now <laughs> um it's <laughs> like choosing to really um intentionally separate your thoughts takes a lot of practice and I, I wasn't very good at it, but uh, I love that valet, that valet analogy as well. That's really good. And Z, you got to deal with it too. I think one thing we don't talk about a lot is the general public talks about players like Z playing at this high level, getting into this. Um, actually, it's not that way at all. I, I would love to have Z kind of unwrap this for us in her own words. But what I have found with high performance is they've learned how to excel under good stress. They're always feeling the stress. But when they're in that great place, it's actually secondary to, to the joy that they're having playing the game. But Z, I'd love for you to weigh in on it. What's up, sports fans? It's former NFL wide receiver Stevie Johnson. The wait is finally over. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is now live in Kentucky. And new customers can get in on the action with $200 of bonus bets guaranteed. When you place your first $5 bet, just sign up at FanDuel.com slash Mercury. Finally, you can bet on your favorite sports from the money line to point spreads to player props and more. You'll even be able to bet on your team's total number of wins for the year. With it being the last year of divisions in the SEC, this is the year the Cats win the East. Ride with me and place a bet, predicting the Cats to win the East. So start betting now on the app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Don't miss your chance to win $200 of bonus bets, win or lose. Visit FanDuel.com slash Mercury and make every moment more. Must be 21 and up and present in Kentucky. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus which expires seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. I think it's like a misconception that like athletes at a really high level are always, or use the word confident or never anxious or never scared, but I feel those constantly. Most of the time, the change happens when I, I think I saw this study and it's like anxiousness and gratitude are kind of come from the same part of the brain and you can't, feel one you can't feel them both at the same time and so when I'm feeling that anxiousness which I always am it's like all right how can I find gratitude in this moment or because it's it's really hard but you can't feel those both at the same time and for me it's trying to cut one off and turn the other on so yeah no you 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 said something that piqued a story uh it's going to be a name drop I want to own it um, we're getting ready to go to Tokyo with USA Volleyball and, and Karch was always so great about bringing in speakers. And he brought in on Zoom uh, 
Billie Jean King. And wow. Yeah. Talk about name drop. Sorry about that. Um, Billie Jean is a dear friend and an incredible influence in my life. And it was so fun to have her on there. And she was telling the story about growing up at a time, no, no access, but it all started from her mindset. And she says every night she wrote in her journal, right by her bedstand. She said, all I wrote was let it rip. Oh, Billie Jean, Billie Jean, time out. In, just let it rip. That's all you got. She's like, that's all I got. Let it rip. And so that has been a term for us, USA Volleyball, through the years, that whether it be rip off the hinges, like in those moments of stress, it means that it matters and your body is tr- is yearning to take over, but your head is putting a cap on it, right? So Billie Jean used to say, just let it rip, because then if you write it every night before you go to bed, it goes in your brain, and then it becomes a mindset. And I just love the simplicity of it, right? And so I just love that we, we're on our way to, to, to fighting for a ticket to Paris. And I remember, hopefully I'm not exposing her too much. I just, I think the world of Annie Drews and she's like, I'm just going out there and letting it rip. And I just remember thinking, oh, I hope Billie Jean King knows that we still are using her inspiration and using her words as we go on to, to this march. But it really does start with just a really simple, clear message of going for it, or in this case, letting it rip. You know, you would think Do all- of like someone like Billie Jean King with that success and that kind of name to be like having this 10 page paper on all the keys to success. And she has the three words, three words. I mean, come on. Right. I mean, it's just so powerful. And and she's so real. Everything that you see on TV, that's who she is. Like she'll, she'll be, when I see her, she's, she'll, Oh, how's everything going? Great. You know, and she'll always be just a phone call away. I mean, the woman is an icon and is always willing to help. Like she is so behind all of these pro leagues getting started. People have no idea. Billie Jean King is working behind the scenes, whether it's volleyball or lacrosse or women's softball or basketball. I mean, she is the people's champion. She really is. And talk about someone uh, whose shoulders we stand on. So, yes. I mean, she is, there's probably, um, five to 10 female athletes that if you went up to any 10 might be a long shot. I would say five female athletes that if you went up to any male on the side of the street, they would be able to name. And I damn sure hope Billie Jean King is in that. Me too. Me too. <laughs> um, but that says a lot. I mean, she, she put a mark on obviously her sport, but also women's sports in general. So that's, and that's equity, really cool. That equity piece of, providing access and, and, and equality for men and women. I mean, she's, she's, she built her message in the confines of a tennis court, but she changed the world in that message. Right. I mean, that's the power of Billie Jean King. And, uh, you know, she's up for a congressional medal of honor and there are politics involved in that. So everybody that's in their little towns all over the country, that's listening to this, uh, make sure you send in your letter of, uh, acknowledgement that uh, she certainly has earned that. It's the highest honor you can get as a civilian. So um, wow. let's hope that we see that happening in the next year. Wow. Wow. Maybe we can get her on the show in the next year. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Sue, right, Sue? That's right. That's right. Holy man. Um, so, Sue, let's talk about, um, and now we're on the topic of professional women's sports. Um in your lifetime, I mean, holy man, you have seen women's sports go from the ground to what many people see is, is, is we're at a really good point. You know, we're at a really good point. With that being said, I think we're at a tipping point, too. We can either go like this or we can go like this. So what are the things that you think will help us take uh, women's sports to the next level? What, what are some tangible things that um, you believe will, will help women take it to the next level in terms of opportunity and access. We'll we'll continue along those lines too. Yeah. I mean, first for the general fan to understand that uh, pro leagues are extremely difficult uh, on from a finance financial um, profitability, very difficult took gosh, the WNBA, like what, 15, 20 years to become an entity, but where we're in this tempy point, this is, we're in a Renaissance 
really is a new beginning because mainstream business investment, mainstream is now coming in and looking at women's sports as an entity that is a great investment. To give you just an idea, soccer alone, the majority of these pro teams are all in the red. They're, they're not profitable, but the brand value is so high. I'm going to give you an example. In the NWSL, uh, that's our Women's Pro Soccer League, they just started um, a couple expansion teams. One of them is San Diego Wave. My dear colleague is the president, Jill Ellis, a former two-time World Cup head national team coach for USA Soccer and former UCLA soccer coach. She's president. And when they bought that team, it was just over $3 million. The, the team is three years old. It was just over $3 million that they they put that team together. It was valued at $55 million this year. <laughs> As a businesswoman, I don't understand how there isn't more investments. That's that's a whatever percent return on your investment. <laughs> but the point the point is, and Maddie, you can appreciate this more than Z and I ever could, is everything comes down to brand value. What you know, one man's trash is another man's treasure. And we're now done being society's piece of trash. Oh, it's just dumb old pro women's sports. They don't know what they're doing. We are now a treasured entity. And soccer, there's no doubt the WNBA and the NWSL are leading the way. But I am telling you, mark my words, I'll meet you here in five years. I am telling you, I've been a part of six pro softball leagues that have all failed. I've been a part and have watched the WNBA grow. I've watched the NWSL grow. Volleyball, it is next. It is going to be the sport that everyone's talking about. You can sense right now in our niche communities, we already know it. We know that volleyball is exploding. But the mainstream of this, what happened at University of Nebraska with that Nebraska Day you know, selling out that stadium, that going worldwide. Watch what happens with volleyball. It's going to be a really, really exciting time in this country. I mean, we have over 300 million people in this country. And I am telling you, a lot of them have one eye on volleyball. Mm. That gives mm. me chills. That's so exciting being part of the sport. And I, that, yeah, that's incredible. And, and, the, and what's interesting, we have three pro leagues that are going to launch in the next year. And one league is very traditional. The, the Pro Volleyball Federation is they've got amazing people that have come together. They're putting in deep pocketed money to build out wonderful places for, for the players to play. Um, it's a very traditional pro model. I'm so excited. I'm cheering them on. You've got Athletes Unlimited that is actually more of a league around innovation. They're going to do everything different. They're turning the model upside down and they're saying the players lead the league. The players lead their schedule. They lead their competition. They are the makers of this change. They built in, embedded the whole business model that we're bringing in 5013Cs to be exposed, to be celebrated, and to be invested in by other communities that are watching these volleyball players be the mouthpiece for these 5013Cs. Super innovative and beautiful. Then you've got League One. League One volleyball is a completely different model. They're copying the European model where they're saying, we are going to now own many of the youth programs around the metropolitan that they're going to drop the pro team in. So that is a, a European model. So now let's capture League One Volleyball saying, let's capture that young girl's ecosystem of volleyball and path to college. And let's go ahead and identify and develop and sustain who she becomes as a human who hopefully ascends to being a professional volleyball player, if not a professional in real life. So they have a completely different model, almost two models in one, this franchisee model, but it's not a franchisee model. It's actually they're owning these youth teams that are working with the pro entity to build out the game of volleyball. So it's almost like, Let's make these young girls great women and let's have a pro league breakout. It's, it's going to be a. Yeah, I, I don't think there's a wrong answer. Like, I think all three of them are incredible formats. And so it'll be really interesting to watch. But one of the coolest things about it is there's such 
incredible players in all three leagues. Like, it's not like your whole USA team is, they're spread out across all three. And so it's going to be really cool to have that competition and that kind of level of play across all three to start it. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. And and what's so beautiful, you know, I'm a consultant. I'm not on the staff of USA Volleyball. I'm a consultant, right? So for me to be able to come in from the outside and listen to these women that are all playing in different leagues, to listen to them all work together in how they can make it great and how we can build out unity, even though from a business perspective, they're competing against each other. And I'm just that voice that constantly tells them, get a player's alliance. Don't get caught up on what league you're in. Get caught up in that you've got to be pushing the equity piece. You've got to be pushing access. You've got to be pushing, making sure these businesses are taking care of the treasured asset, which is the athlete. Well, Sue, not to switch gears, that was awesome. But um, one thing that is still kind of blowing my mind, and Maddie's probably too, is that you were a professional surfer. You still surf (laughs) every day. You're 66 and you surf every day. How, how did that start? What does it look like for you now? Like, how did you get into it? Oh, you want to know what it looks like? Shut up. Guys, come on. Guys, well, why don't you live in the same house since you were a child? Right? Right? That's awesome. Wow. Um, I, I got into surfing through a neighbor friend. His dad was a diver and said, hey, you want to come down to Doheny? And um, we're going to do some surfing, fell in love with it, went home, told my mom and dad that I wanted to buy a surfboard. My dad's like, you're not buying a surfboard. We'll get one at the garage sale because you've got to make sure you're going to fall in love with it. And it just it took over my life. I, I really am full transparency. People see me as a coach or a leader. I'm really a surfer and I identify as a surfer and the ocean has always been an escape. I think what I love about the ocean is the access that everybody has to it. It's free. And you have in the water, we're all sitting there every day. To my right is a VP of a Venture 100 company. Or to my left is that gentleman that works at the high school as a assistant administrator. In front of me is that guy that's just learning how to do it, that he was able to come down through other friends and uh, doesn't have a job. And we all share this love of the ocean. And there's just something really beautiful about that. And then the second thing is it's a reminder and a reset every day of the things you don't have control over. Because if the waves are big or they're small, I have no control over it. So you have to adjust and adapt every day. The margin for error when you transition to stand up and cut on the wave, small margin for error. You get a big high and a big low if you fall off. And so in a way, it really models what it means to be your best every day. And, you know, the water gets cold in the winter. You know, it's like 57 degrees. I'm in a I'm in a full suit. You know, it's a four millimeter body, a three millimeter arm, you know, just to keep my body temperature right. And um, I just feel really blessed at this age to be active and healthy, knock on wood. Um, but as I told the women of uh, Athletes Unlimited a couple of years ago, um, at my age, I mean, women, we, I am on house money right now to be able to be able to surf every day. I'm on house money. I mean, everything that, that I'm doing, I'm on house money. And those people that aren't gamblers, I'm not a gambler, but the whole concept is you're, you're coming in with a hundred bucks and now you're at 150 bucks. You're on house money. And, uh, for me to be able to do what I'm doing in my mid sixties, I, I feel, I feel really blessed. And I think a lot of it has to do with staying active and, and staying positive in, in my everyday life. That is so inspiring. Um, I am like a fitness guru, but I live in Wisconsin, so there's not a lot of surfing around here. So <laughs> I stick to running and lifting and yoga and Pilates and all the other stuff. But <laughs> yes. Um, so, Sue, something, uh, a- another thing about me is I am like obsessed with learning, I guess would probably be the best way to put it. I kind of, as you know, is like I'm always listening to podcasts um, reading, doing just, I just love it. It just, it really brings me joy. With that being said, how do you sharpen your iron? Like, how is it that you have so many tidbits of knowledge? Is it through experience or are you kind of, um, passionate about the same things of just like constantly learning? 
I think it's uh, I think it's a combination of uh, both that I've lived a long life and had great influencers. And then in my life right now, I'm in a really fun part of my life because as a consultant, I'm in really diverse communities. So I'm in corporate America. I'm in I'm in the NC2A collegiate world and I'm in high performance sports of professionals and NGBs and Olympic teams. So I have this diversity. And then I am I'm I'm just curious by nature. So I'm always seeking out um, new ways to look at the neuroscience, new ways to share with young women how to have a more positive outlook on life. And uh, so for me, um, you know, I've had some great influencers in my life. Coach Whitten uh, is is the chairman of my professional board of directors. He's the chairman. And uh, he's the one that professionally taught me how to be a pro and, and live my values every day. He says, you know, Sue, <laughs> this is when I was still pretty transactional. He says, you know, you live your, your values conditionally. I'm like, Papa, what does that mean? He goes, well, you are a person of great integrity when it's convenient. But when it's not convenient, you forget about your integrity. And he was talking about when I threw away the trophy, you know. <laughs> and so this idea that um, I have this saying that excellence doesn't work eight to five. You, you can't be a great CEO and then be a horrible father if you want to consider yourself a person of excellence. And so Papa taught me that. Um, my background's in science, so I'm always interested in how we're finding out more about the body, especially the mental health piece. Um, it's very close to my heart, mental health in this country today. Um, we're, not, we're not taking care of our boys and girls that are suffering from mental health, performance anxiety. And if we could do a better job of that, placing money and time and energy uh, beyond just how to read, how to write, how to, you know, hit the in-system pass. If we could spend more time laying that foundation with that young boy or girl at those critical ages in elementary school, they would be able to absorb the pressure of being the best because no one's going to, no one's going to come to Z's pity party. Look at her career. She made it to the top. The mystery's over. Z made it to the top. Now, Z doesn't wake up every day and saying that. She's saying, oh my God, we got to get back to where we're supposed to be. We're, we're Kentucky. We need to be, because that's how the brain works. If we did a better job laying that foundation of really appreciating how far we've come and how we can give back, I think we would be able to um, have a better grip on that mental piece. So for me, I'm always searching for places of uh, verified and vetted information. So Michael Gervais is a huge influence for me on his mastery uh, podcast. Uh, when I want to know what's going on in women's sports and I want to giggle the whole time, it's Julie, Julie, Julie Foudy in La Laughter Permitted podcast, right? Um, there's just a lot of people out there that are doing really good work. And I can always tell our young women is if you're ever going to use somebody's philosophy, Make sure that they can root it in, I have experience, I practice this, it's worked over time. I'm not a one and done type influencer. So when you're going to try to copy or model concepts and principles, make sure they're backed by science or a lifetime of condition behavior where they have the evidence that these practitioners have been able to do it. So it's also important to have a filter in what you believe and how you believe it and how you bring in that information, especially now because it's all at our fingertips. And now we've got chat GPT, women. We've got chat GPT now. I mean, shoot, we got to be careful. You, 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 you may not know if this could be my, I may be the, you know, the robot here. And the real Sue is at the beach. <laughs> oh, Sue, one quick question. I know Z's got a big question for you, but um, so you mentioned your professional board of directors. Yes. I need to know more about that. Yes. Um, I think parents need to be the drip, drip, drip influencers with their children. I believe parents cannot rely on the schools. They can't rely on the coaches. They can't rely on the, the, the influencers in that child life. They must be the drip, drip, drip. And so for me, we got to scorecard it. We got a scorecard personal excellence at a very young age. And for me, that's what happened to me. My parents, I never had any rules. 
We just said these are the, these are what the Enquists do. So they were really rules because no one else had to do them, but the Enquists. And what I learned through time is scorecarding. It's an acronym for sustained improvement, competition, organization, resilience, and energy. And sustained improvement simply means that we are a work in progress. My father said, you're never going to have to be perfect, but you have to be first up after failure. And so that sustained improvement, get 1% better. Um, my brother taught me how to compete. Compete actually means come together. The Latin root competir means actually come together. And competing, coming together, you have to be driven by your values. So compete every day to defend your values. Uh, stay organized. You may have values, but what are the order? What's the order? What comes first? My faith and my family will always be my foundation and everything else is secondary. You got to be able, as my father said, you got to be able to be first up after failure. You have to be resilient. You have to commit to it. You have to commit to being the first one up after failure. He was always very critical of me if I sat in my junk after I struck out and did the old poor me's. And then last, energy. You have loud leaders. You have quiet leaders. But giving and seeing people is one of the greatest gifts another human can give to a human. And so whether it be loud or quiet energy, be a good friend. And my mom is the one that taught me that, that everybody needs to be seen. And she was so ahead of her time. You know, she always reminded me, oh, Sousa, they, they didn't have the influences you had. I'm like, mom, but the mother was yelling profanities at me when I walked up that she, Sousa, she didn't have the influencers you had. Give grace. And so this idea of sustained improvement, compete, stay organized, be resilient, have energy, the acronym SCORE. And then my chairman of that board of directors is Papa Wooden because he helped me frame how I'm going to lead others as a professional. Wow. I took a lot of notes there. Hey, <laughs> seen sticky notes. Sticky notes. She's about to go preach to her team later about SCORE. You know it. Don't you know it. You know it. I mean, you've got to be able to have people in your life. So for me, you know, this idea of sustained improvement was Papa Wooden. Competing was my brother. Staying organized, my priorities was my sister. You know, commit to resilience was my father. Energy was my mom. And they, they are my board of directors. And everybody should have a board of directors that you can rely on when you run out of belief. And we're going to get back to belief. We started with belief and we're going to get back to belief. And I want our listeners to know that everything starts with belief. You know, you want, I want to be an influencer. I want to be a great leader. Can't do it if you don't believe in yourself. People aren't going to follow you for you to be able to influence them. But I also want everyone to remember that in that word belief is the word L-I-E, lie. And when you see that word, remind yourself, what are the lies I'm still telling myself? What is the micro trauma still in my life? that I'm telling myself, so I'm always aware of my micro traumas, those lies, they're no longer active, but they still affect me. I can then activate my strong voice and keep things straight and serve others. Cause that's really why we're here is to make other people better. That's fascinating. It's so that's fascinating. Ruby, you just talked about a little bit about the score and other people's philosophies, philosophies and making sure they're credible. You um, said in an article you said, I articulate my philosophy of life, leadership, and competition in three words. Prepare, love, honor. Anything worthy of your passion should be worthy of this approach. How how do you describe that? And how is it so repeatable and replicable through business, teams, athletics, and across the board? And that's a big that's a big anchor philosophy that anything you do, whether it be compete, whether it be you take a test, you're performing a dance recital in a spelling bee, presenting a, to venture capitalists, you literally have to sit in a foundation of I've done the work, I'm prepared. In game day, you don't want to say I have to be perfect. You want to say I've done the work. I know my inventory. I collected those deposits Monday through Friday. I'm ready to meet the moment of the presentation or the dance recital or, or that team that we're going to face. We're ready for the moment. We're prepared. When we get into it, we get into the presentation, into the game, into the dance recital. It's not going to be perfect. And so I'm going to rely on my love unconditionally on good days and bad days. I love what I do. And so for me, the big philosophy around loving, it's the highest standard. I challenge Z to love her teammates. She doesn't have to like them. 
I challenge you, Maddie, to love your, your coworkers. You don't have to like them, but you got to love them because loving them means on their best days and their worst days, you're going to stand by them. You're going to be able to serve them because you never want to become a reflection of society because society is up and down. You want the society to be a reflection of you that's consistently believing every day, no matter what's happening in performance, winning or losing, feeling good or bad. I want to be able to believe every day. And for me, honoring is about perspective and gratitude and the shoulders I stand on. If I can always remember, I didn't get here by myself. That will keep me in check. Obviously, that day I threw away the trophy. I didn't really honor the game too much because I was thinking I invented the game. I'm just going to throw away trophies. I'm going to act bigger than the game. You can't do that. You can't act bigger than the game. And I did. And I lost that honoring the game. So those are my three core life pillars is to prepare love and honor. I love that, too. I know um, I'm a big Brene Brown lady. Uh, I've read a couple of her books, and she's huge on picking your pillars of life. And um, personally, obviously, I think a lot of the choosing your pillars also comes with life experience as well. But um, I've always thought passion and compassion were kind of the two that um, resonate with me a lot. Um, But again, I think experience shifts your views of what those pillars should be, too. Yeah, and that's huge to to be able to have passion and compassion, right? Um, And just remember about passion. Um, Passion takes gasoline, takes energy, right? And there are days where you don't have the gasoline and you won't have the passion. And if I can always remind our listeners that passion is actually driven by discipline. Because if you love what you do, Even the days you're not loving it, you have the discipline to have the passion and the energy. Because today, I wish everybody could be passionate about their work, but we know that that doesn't happen. We know a lot of people have a J-O-B. But even in your J-O-B, you can be a passionate worker, but it takes discipline to drive that passion, drive that energy, drive that love every day. It takes discipline to read the room. What does the environment need? There are days, Z has one of the most impactful relationships society can watch Z have. Z has a relationship with volleyball that will measure up to most great human relationships. She has sustained it over decades. She's loved it and she's hated it. She's had to figure it out. She's had to sacrifice for it. And she stands firm, dedicated, and committed to it. And so the passion is really about saying, I'm going to link on and I'm going to clamp on with my discipline that I'm never going to let this go. And I always think sports doesn't get enough credit for teaching people how to build strong relationships, even on their good days and their bad days. And so for me, that's where that compassion comes in on those days. Z has to have compassion for herself when I hate volleyball today. I, I hate where we are today. I never thought in August we would be here in September, right? And so that, that love, that love is what carries you through. Like I challenge everybody at Kentucky Volleyball to love the game, even when it's not lovable. she's she's talking to you girl yeah i know right yeah it's a marathon marathon, z right it's a marathon like we're we're in just september we're in september you're about a third of the way of the season over right a third it's a marathon absolutely yeah absolutely i hear you well so we have one last question for you and we ask every single one of our guests, um, and I feel like you'll have a great answer. What is your best piece of advice to everyone listening? Your one best piece. The silence that I love. To love, to love your life on your best and your worst days. I love that. I love it. No highs, no lows. That is a motto that you have to have to live by because otherwise it's tough to sustain. If you don't, it's tough to get out of bed. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
So this has been seriously one of the coolest episodes. And, you know, we've had a lot of younger people on and we've had a few um, older people as well. But I find with the older people, it's it's the wisdom that comes with experience is something that Z and I as young women just both gravitate towards. I, I could listen to you talk. Holy cow. Z's told me, told me about you so many times and now I see why. <laughs> She's like, rest, just wait. Um, so thank you. Seriously. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with us. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with our audience. Hopefully, you know, um, whoever listens will, will take a few notes like Z and I did as well. <laughs> well, it's been a treat. It's been a treat being with both of you and congrats on both of your successes. And, uh, I look forward to watching your trajectory. Thank you so much, Sue. This has been awesome. We appreciate you. You Thanks, bet. Sue. I got both eyes on you always, and I'm always in your back pocket. Yes, ma'am. I love it. Thank you, Sue. We appreciate you. You bet. Take care. You too. You too. Bye-bye.